Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft. Hear new episodes on the full and new moons every month. In this episode, I talk to Penelope of Prairie Fire Herbal. Penelope grows and forages the herbs and plants she uses in her candles, incense, and salves to provide us with beautiful tools in our practice. We talked about the effect of social media on society, struggles with imposter syndrome, and a little bit about snakes. Now let's get to the stories. Hi, Penelope. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. Thank you. Would you please introduce yourself and let people know who you are and what you do and where they can find you on the internet or wherever? Sure. Uh, I'm Penelope Reiholt, and I am the witch behind Prairie Fire Herbal, um, where I make um, ritual candles and um, occult supplies. And you can find me on my website at www.prairiefireherbal.com. Um, and I'm also on Facebook as Prairie Fire Herbal and Instagram um, as Prairie Fire Herbal. Easy to find. Would you please explain to everybody what it means when you call yourself a witch? Or do you call yourself a witch? If you do. Um, I do call myself a witch. Um, okay, let me just say this. So, so I've been a practicing witch since I was 14 years old. I come from a family of um, not necessarily witches, but occultists. And uh, so it's just, it's been part of my life and part of my personality since I was a young teenager. Um, what my practice involves is um, a lot of work with herbs, a lot of work with poison plants, and a good dose of animism. And so those are the things that I work with. And yeah, so that's that doesn't really sum up. <laughs> sum it up, does it? Oh, it does. Boy. It does to me. Do you have any daily rituals that you'll share with us? So, my business, Prairie Fireable, is something that I work on every day. I work from home, and so a lot of the um, ritual that I do is involved in making those things, making the candles, and. So, yes, so so every day I am working with a ritual because I, you know, I charge the things that I do with intent and um, I'm working with herbs and I'm, you know, I'm asking spirits and deities to um, participate or to, to, to aid their, um, their energy to the workings that I do. Um, but other than, other than that, I don't, you know, I don't really have any set rituals that I'm doing every day. Now, on your website, I saw that you grow and gather a lot of the herbs yourself. I do. I also read that you started out in New Mexico, but are you in Texas now? I didn't start in New Mexico. I go to New Mexico frequently oh. for foraging and just because we really love it there. But no, I'm, uh, I'm in Texas. I'm in Dallas, and I'm originally from Georgia. What made you want to do what you do? I started out as an herbalist and found that I, because of regulations, I wasn't able to to practice or to, to get um, my herbalism to the people that it needed to go to. And um, I was already doing all of these other things, you know, because I'm a witch. And it just, it seemed, I, I knew that I wanted to work with herbs and plants in some way as 
the second part of my career because I'd already had like a, a 25 year long career as a pastry chef and bread baker. Ooh. You would be and surprised so at I, how many people come here having been chefs and now they're doing witch things. <laughs> I'm surprised I, by it anyway. <laughs> I think it breaks us. I mean, just working in the restaurant industry, I think there's something that really makes us want to do something that's you know, far away from a commercial kitchen. But we, you know, it working in a restaurant can really um, steal your your love of food, the thing that got you there in the first place. And so I think, you know, probably it's natural for a lot of people who, who work with food to, to, to work with it in kind of a spiritual component, I guess. And so then to move on to witchcraft, I think is kind of a natural, I mean, you're, you know, you're getting to make and craft things with your hands and uh, it can be very, you know, it can be very healing and it's, I, you know, I find them to be similar. So I took the thing that, that I love doing the witchcraft, working with herbs and plants and, and kind of chose that as an option or a way to work with herbs because I was finding that I couldn't I couldn't get herbal herbal medicines to people the way that I wanted to, and yeah, so it was you know it was just kind of a, a natural choice to do it. And I, I also I you know like I said I was making these things for my personal practice, and I felt like I I wanted to make more of the things that I wish somebody else had been making. You know, mm. like I, I I wish that there had been a you know, a, a dressed candle for a specific thing. And so I thought probably other people feel this way too and, and, and maybe don't have the time or the skill set to do this kind of stuff. I'm going to do it. I'm excited to get my next shipment. <laughs> I I couldn't remember if you ordered um, a while back. I, I thought you had, but I couldn't get it to come Yeah, up. I got candles and some dark witch water, oh, but good. I am excited for that wormwood stuff. <laughs> Yeah, or so balm you, or whatever it is you called it. I'm ready. <laughs> are you going to use it like in a magical context, or are you going to no. use it in a for pain relief? <laughs> pain. Yeah. The other stuff I got flying ointment too. That's for the magical stuff, but the the wormwood is for my freaking joints. Yeah, it it, it works. I use it a lot. I, I use that, and I alternate with the mugwort ointment because that one's really great for achy joints and inflammation and all of that stuff too. Nice. Now, you mentioned your family, you grew up in a family with an occult background. Mm -hmm. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. Like any stories? Yeah. So uh, it, this gives me the chance to talk about my, just my favorite person who ever existed. And that's my, my grandmother, my nanny Carlton. She and my grandfather were astrologists uh, professionally, and they started doing that back in the 40s. And they were founding members of the American Astrological Association. So um, my grandfather would do the prepare the charts because there's math involved and, in, you know, looking at the degrees of the planetary aspects on the horizon and all this kind of stuff. So he was really good at the math and kind of science part of it. And my grandmother would interpret the charts. So um, I grew up. Um, having spent a lot of time in their house and um, astrology was, you know, pretty important. I mean, every time a child or a grandchild was born into the family, they would do a chart. And when you were old enough to, um, you know, kind of understand the things that the astrology that they did, then they would sit you down and tell you about here, we've kind of charted the way your thing, you know, the, the way your life might go. Um yeah, so uh, interesting. Uh, 
they they were both really interesting people. They were fascinating. And um I you know, they sparked my interest in the occult. I the very first time I ever used a a Ouija board, I used it with my grandmother. Um she could read palms. Uh, my Aunt Karen read tarot cards for a living for a while. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of always around. And nobody, it never was like, um, you know, I don't come from like a lineage of witches. I can't make that kind of claim. I just, I come from people who were like deeply involved in the occult. I want somebody to redo my chart like that. I mean, it, it's again. Who knows me? I mean, like that's what I want. I want my family to be astrologers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great to have like a really good astrologist in the family. She, uh, my grandmother has passed. They've both passed on now, but um, she. When I got my 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 talking to about my chart she didn't she didn't spare my feelings she actually you know she pointed out these are you know there was that one period of time um, starting in my late 20s through my 30s where she said you're going to have a really rough seven years you're it's, it's going to be really hard um but you're going to you know you're going to come out of it on the other end you're going to be fine um but yeah so that they didn't you know they didn't um they didn't hold back I would love a heads up like that because yeah. I hate surprises. I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> when did you decide you're a witch? Around, let's see, I just turned 14 and I got my hands on a copy of Scott Cunningham's, um, I can't remember the title, it's the wicca practitioner is the one. solitary you, wicca for the solitary practitioner yeah yeah and a girlfriend and i um spent every weekend for about a year in my bedroom um with that book and then we might have also had the cunningham incense book uh oils and incenses and uh we spent a, a year just working through the book and because at that time, of course, there was no internet and there wasn't, yeah. I'm not even sure how I got my hands on the Scott Cunningham book. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I yeah. wonder that the same, I, I think about that too. I have no idea how I got some of my books. Well, and I know I didn't buy it cause I didn't have any money as a 14 year old kid. And I'm a hundred percent sure that my mother who was a Southern Baptist, I'm sure she didn't take me to the ye local <laughs> witchcraft uh, shop, you know? Um, so it just, I guess it just sort of arrived at the right time. And, and, you know, I didn't really start thinking of myself as a witch until several years later. I, you know, I didn't know that I felt, um, expert enough to give myself a title. And I guess more than anything, I just sort of like gradually over a few years, I just started to feel like a witch, you know, I just sort of like, okay, this is what I decided. That's what I am. That's, that's what I am now. I think that's what I did too. I think it's probably, you know, it's um, it's sort of a rite of passage for a lot of teenage girls. It's, you know, those uh, girls who are interested in um, the occult, you know, we all start with that one book and um, we dabble in it for a little bit and, and it, 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 it takes some time before, before we uh, feel entitled to call ourselves a witch. Do you, how do you feel about imposter syndrome? Does it bother you? Do you feel like it affects you? And how do you, what do you do if, if, 
if so? I think um, starting a witchcraft business triggered that in me for the first time. And I'm a fairly confident person and I'm confident in my witchcraft. And so it was shocking that I would be questioning my right to put myself out there to the public and offer up things for them to buy and expect them to believe that I had any kind of expertise or special knowledge about this stuff. And um, it's, you know, it is insidious. It is, it's, you know, it, um, that, that little grain of self doubt can turn into um, a lot of like, um, like big self doubt, like, like, you know, extreme, almost like loathing of, you know, of your practice and what you're trying to do. And, and I think that, you know, because I'm, so much on social media, like any business really has to be now. And Mm -hmm. that's the way that I promote myself. I, I think that that triggers it a lot because, you know, how can you, you know, Instagram in particular is some, is the social media that I struggle with the most. And if I didn't have to be on Instagram, I wouldn't, but I I really think that um, social media like Instagram really, it triggers that because you're constantly comparing yourself to to every other witch who is um, taking beautiful pictures or marketing something or trying to educate people. So I struggle with it, and it has it's gotten better in the last year. I seem to have um, regained my footing over those you know negative thought forms, but I have to. I have to constantly pep talk myself and remind myself that I have been a witch since I was 14 years old and that I do in fact know my shit and that, (laughs) um, and that I, you know, I, I'm as qualified as any other witch to make the things that I make and to teach classes and to talk about witchcraft and to have opinions. So. um, God forbid you have an opinion. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I th- I think I mentioned to you in the email that my son um, was worried that my he's, that that I was going to offend other witches with my opinions. He's like, just be careful with your whatever, <laughs> offend the shit out of everybody. <laughs> I, I do sometimes. <laughs> I think I probably do too. I mean, we I, we're we not everybody's people are different, so we're gonna cross sometimes i consider it part of my job as a witch to sometimes offend people it's i you know i see witchcraft as as an act of defiance as an act of chaos as sometimes anarchy i see it as a political a a political statement i guess yeah. Um, and so it, I, you know, I would hate to think that I go through this world never offending anybody, you know, <laughs> how lame, well, not lame. How boring would that be? I mean, I, 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 I offend <laughs> half of my neighborhood. So, um, <laughs> and love it. I'm fine with it. What would you say is your biggest struggle when it comes to witchcraft? In my personal practice or my view of what witchcraft is you know what what is witchcraft today that's such a cool question i might have to 
write it down. (laughs) (laughs) Whichever one you want. (laughs) Well, I'll do both uh, for, you know, for my, a, a struggle that I have or maybe a complaint that I have in my personal practice is because I work from home and because my job is witchcraft, it's really hard to one, find time to do the rituals that I want to do Two, not feel burnt out by constantly working in like a magical context because it takes a lot of energy. It takes, you know, it's, it, it, it takes energy. So that those would be two things that I sort of struggle with um, in my personal practice. And here's where the offensive opinions come in. Um, the state of witchcraft today, two th- a couple of things that I that I s- sort of can't wrap my head around is I have a real problem with how witchcraft has become an aesthetic and how it has become a commodity to be sold on Walmart.com and how empty it feels um, when I'm scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and it's just beautiful picture after beautiful picture. It, it feels um, with the shopping, with the shopping bag on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and because I am a witch on Instagram <laughs> selling products, I'm part, I'm part of the problem. Um, I've, you know, I've had people message me on Instagram and, and, tell me that um, my photographs can make it hard for them in their own practice because their altars never look, you know, super beautiful or they don't have all the tools, Um, which is, you know, which is something I could, I completely understand. You know, I, I have a great camera. I can take a pretty good picture. I've got a setup to put all this stuff together. I've got a lot of little props that I like to add into my pictures um, and if you're an 18-year-old kid, you, you know, kind of look at your dumpy altar in the corner with cat hair all over it and go, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this right or I'm not enough of a witch. And I, uh, that, that troubles me. And I, so I, I take it upon myself to sometimes reveal the man behind the curtain on my Instagram and show how things are made or, you know, express, you know, self doubt when that crops up or just to show a human side behind, you know, these, um, these pictures that don't really tell the full story. But then you probably also get people who say, I don't want to hear about that. I came here for escape. I feel, do the people who say you make me feel bad about whatever, do they also email Target about that? Yeah. I, and, and let me, let me sort of fix the way that I said that. So they, it's not that I, that I'm making them feel bad. It's just that they, I'm presenting something to them that is like aspirational witchcraft and, and, you know, there's a conversation going on right now about how detrimental Facebook and Instagram are to young women. And, yes. and I get it. And I think that that's that, that thing that's at the heart of it is that you look at these beautiful pictures of these beautiful altars on Instagram and you can begin to feel that that might be a thing that you can't attain. 
that your witchcraft isn't good enough because it doesn't look like the beautiful picture. This is me thinking. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I just don't I freaking really believe in personal responsibility Mm, I think that social media has taken some of that away from us and especially if you were a person who who note no part of your life you didn't exist you know before social media existed so it's it's the normal thing that's part of everything that you do I I have have to remember they exist that I am different yeah I mean, I have two nieces who, you know, who didn't exist until the internet um, came about and they are constantly seeing things like do it for the gram. You know, every, every moment of their lives has to be um, documented for, for social media. And, and it, and it, it's never just um, random um, candid shots. Everything is staged and and it breaks my heart. I, I, you know, I, social media is exhausting. It's like, um, it, it's, it's too hard to, to be perfect all the time. And it's boring. I, we're about the same age. So <laughs> when I first got on the internet, it was like live journal. Yeah. And I didn't know people weren't them. I didn't know people changed who they were. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I still, I don't think that I do that very, I'm I'm sure I do somewhat because I'm a freaking person, but I try to be who I am in real life and on the internet. Right. So I would hope, I guess they can't do that. I don't know. I guess because they don't know what it was like before. They've never existed in a time where you didn't tell all of your problems to the internet and where you didn't show every outfit to the internet and where you didn't get all of your information from the internet. And um, I I think that, you know, we have this explosion of care and behavior now. And um, I, I think that, okay, tell me if you think this is crazy, but I think it's directly related to keyboard warriors and them finally coming out from behind the keyboard where you know, you've heard this term before and it's kind of like um, you can be a total shit on the internet in your chat group. Remember those? You can be a total shit yeah. because nobody's coming over to your house to kick your ass because you were a dickhead. And, and now they think they can do it in real life. Yes. That's astonishing. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds kooky, but the more I think about it, I'm like, these are the exact people who were on Live Journal being total dickheads, and now they're out in the public in because AOL we, chat rooms. Yes, because we've like, so we we were so used to being able to say what we want on Facebook and not having any consequences for it, and they've started taking it out into the real world. It's That's wild. <laughs> the hell? See, it's just this stuff doesn't occur to me. I I don't. I don't know how to relate to other people who aren't myself. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I I think this, I mean, it, the fact that I think about it so much is because I'm so uncomfortable using uh, social media to market my, <sighs> my quote unquote product. I make a product and that grosses me out. Yeah. I have, I keep saying, I wish I didn't have to have Facebook to do my job. I say it every day. Every day. If I could delete it right now, I would do it. Yeah. 
Let's go in the other direction. What brings you the most joy in your practice? Mm, Working with plants. I'm sitting here in my living room right now, and I've got um, one side of the room is completely full of houseplants, and everything is thriving, and I haven't killed anything recently. Yay! <laughs> yes. And so um, I, 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 I love plants. I love plants so much. I, I, have a, I have a couple of gardens in my yard, and I grow poison plants, and I grow lots of the herbs that I use in the candles and then the herbal blends and I grow some of our food and I just, I, I, when I say that I love plants, I, I mean that on like a, a deep spiritual level. There, there, there's something about them that speaks to me and I love being around them. And I, I'm looking at my plants right now and I, I, there's this, I have this, aloe vera plant and um it is beautiful i I bought this little scraggly plant for my son at home depot because he likes plants too and he neglected it and it was gonna die and i took it and i've repotted it a couple of times and it gets special aloe vera food but um i do this weird thing where i i touch it every day i make sure i give like each little i don't know if they're called a frond each little farm (laughs) <laughs> each little arm, yes, they look like arm. I touch each little arm, and I tell it how beautiful it is, and how proud I am of it that it's growing. And um, and it, it it it's very fussy. It if if it touches anything, like I can see right now, it's grown out and it's just barely touching the wall. It will start to rot, and the arm will fall off. So it's like it doesn't want anything to touch it, and I respect that. It's like me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I love it so much. And I, um, and I just, I, it, I, being in the same room with it just makes me very happy. So, and that goes for all of my plants. I, you know, I, I'm growing, um, a Brugmansia for the first time this year. And this is, I don't, I don't know if you know what this is, but this is a, um, a, a tree, a small tree in the, um, they used I to recognize be- the name, but I don't, I can't picture it. It's beautiful, beautiful. It gets these trumpet-like flowers, and they all hang down, and the trumpet flowers are like eight inches long, and they come in like every color you can imagine, and it's extremely poisonous. Um, That's why I know it. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm growing – I bought one at um, the Canton Flea Market um, here in North Texas, and it it looked so sad, but I I have never seen one in the wild before, and so I bought it, and it struggled all summer long. I just, nothing that I did was right for it, and uh, so I I joined a Facebook Brugmansia group, and it's me and a bunch of 90-year-old women all in there just going (laughs) crazy over these, like, beautiful plants. And um, I'm, I finally, someone coaxed me into chopping it, to cutting two thirds of it off and because it just wasn't doing well and I was going to have to do it for the winter anyway. And so I did it and it just about killed me. I just, I hated making those cuts and I moved it into the house and kind of put it by a, a, by a window thinking that it would go dormant. Since I cut it, it has exploded with growth. It's covered with leaves. It's got new sprouts coming up. I, it just, it's thriving, and I'm like, I couldn't be happier about it. Yay! Yeah. I wonder if. Do you know about Mexican sage? 
Um, yes. Yeah. I actually killed some of that in my front yard this year. Oh, well. <laughs> Are you growing yeah. it? Yeah, it does really well. I just, I don't know if I should like cut it down now or wait until it gets colder or what. Because if I cut it now, is it going to think, oh, hey, it's spring. Let me sprout a million things and then it'll freeze to death. Yeah, I think I would wait until we get the word for the first frost because it, because we it only get that. like one day of frost. Where are you? Tucson. Oh, my gosh. Why did I think you were in Oklahoma? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tucson. All right. Well, you we um we are planning a move out to the to either Taos or Santa Fe in the next year. So I, I love to live. Yes. Yep. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> so I, I love the American Southwest. It's, I, it's weird because I'm a plant lover and I, I really love like deciduous temperate rainforest oh, yeah, and I water and I want to, you know, all of that. I love like a lush green place. It just makes me happy. But we started going to New Mexico a few years ago, and now we go every year for like this big long vacation. And I, it's calling you. (laughs) Not it's screaming. It's it it's saying you need this is this is where you have to come to. And I I almost feel like I don't have a choice. You know. Yeah. That that is where I ended up here. Yeah. Because I'm from Virginia. <laughs> oh, okay. There's another person in the group that you might know. It's Andrea. And she's Andrea Apple. Something with Appalachian in her name on Instagram, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> she's wonderful. She's like, um, she, uh, she lives on this piece of property that is just haunted. It's just, it, she sees spirits. She's got phantom animals. I didn't I mean, know all this stuff. Yeah, it's great. We're what the we're, heck? we're Instagram friends, and so we talk a lot. And she's like, she they're used to. She's fascinating. You have to talk she's to her. She's holding because, out on me. I do. Yeah. She actually sent me a package. Did she really? <laughs> yeah. I love her. She I sent love me some rose so hips because I was sad about not having rose hips. She's wonderful. She is, and now she's yeah, you really recently, like her. Uh, she's she's one of my fa- favorite Instagram accounts. And she right now she's posting a series of beautiful photography of birds on her property, uh-huh. and she's like Snow White. They come and land I on know. her. <laughs> the wax wings. I was yes. like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I love and her. her cabin. Her, I know. What in the world? <laughs> did you did, she, did you see the picture of this like a like is the cabin the like the abandoned falling down house on the property? Did you see that? I think so. I I want to go to her property so bad. It seems Me like too. the most haunted place in America. Let's there, go. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do. I love. I'm so glad that you know her and that you're friends with her because I just she's um she she in this last two years she's one of the very first people who followed me, and she has been a like a bright a bright spot in my oh, online life for like the last couple of years and I just like I anything she does I'm interested in because it's she she seems so completely normal but there are spirits and demons and entities and ghosts raging around her. Huh. I didn't know that stuff. <laughs> no, I kind of want to leave that stuff in, but I also kind of yeah, leave it in. I, okay. I, it, it'll 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 make she'll get a kick out of hearing. I know. You, I, um, go I on know. and on about her. <laughs> That's why I wanted to. Because <laughs> I know she listens. <laughs> Andrea, we both love you. <laughs> 
Oh, well, if we're going to talk about other people that we love from the group, I Yeah, got let's do to... that. That's fun. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I got to meet. That's why it's fun to talk to other beans because <laughs> we all know each other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I have made two friends in the group that I, uh, that I consider like real life friends and that I, any chance I can get to spend time with them, I want to go do it. So hang on one second here. Come to Anahata's purpose. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I wish I could. Are you, are you going to go? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I won't. I won't say last names because I know that everybody yeah. doesn't li- listen to which bitch amateur hour. If they if they don't, they should because it's great. And the mm-hmm. the Kevin is the only good thing on Facebook as far yes. as I'm concerned, um, because I have met I've met so many people through the Kevin. Um, I know we are all so great. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I mean I just I have I, and then they show up in real life and I'm just I I love it. It's just a wonderful group of people. So I I love that I found it. Um, Casey who is, yes. um, she does the monthly spell groups. Mm-hmm. And um, last summer, for midsummer, I was at Texas Viking Festival as a merchant. And um, we talked a little bit before, and I found out that she was going to that. And she showed up, and we spent um, part of an afternoon together. And I just, I fell in love with her. She's so wonderful. I love her mm-hmm. so much. And then the next morning, we both got up early before anybody else in camp did. And we sat and talked for, like, two hours and had um, French press coffee. And Ooh. I just, I fell in love with the woman. She's she's fantastic and i i wish i could see her more she's not that far from me um but um but yes she's a wonderful person i'm so glad i'm so grateful to witch bitch amateur hour for putting her in my path i absolutely agree she's one of my patrons is she (laughs) yes that's wonderful i love her and then, so I'll tell you about another person that I love from Witch Bitch Amateur Hour. Of course, I love Macy and Charlie. They're just, they're fabulous. And they're also here in North Texas. I think one is in Fort Worth and the other one's sort of out Canton Way. Um, but I have a friend from the Facebook group uh, named Amber. And she's the one who makes those beautiful brooches. The, they're they're beat, hand beaded. And um, I don't know if you've seen them. They're, they're great. She just started an Etsy shop called um, called contrary Perry and she sells them there mm. but they uh, they're each one is like a they're they're all not all well they're witch related so um they're all so intricate they they they, they just look like works of wearable art and I just I uh, I'm astonished at her her handiwork at her craft and skill I just every time I look at one I'm like how the hell does she do that it's so <laughs> wonderful um and I I I, I bought a couple from her, um, and I, I when I wear them, I, I, I get so many comments and so many compliments, and they're just um, they're fabulous. So nice. What what do you geek out about? Fungi, mushrooms. Um, that is so in now. It is. Everybody's talking about it. I would like to be a butthole and just say I was the first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's really in now and it's, it's, you know, I, I give a lot of that credit to Paul Stamets, who is a personal hero of mine. I don't, I don't throw around the term hero lightly. Um, but I, but this guy, I think could save the world. He watched Discovery. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of TV. My son controls the remote control here. That's why I know his name because somebody on Dis- who writes for Star Trek Discovery. Also oh yes, into mushrooms. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I have, I have, I have watched okay. it. Yeah, he's actually he's named after he's named yeah, after Paul Stamets. So, so cool. I, that character is so great. I love it so much. I like the, the episodes where the mycelial network has infected yes. the spacecraft, and I just like I geeked out so hard on that. It was wonderful. But yeah, mushrooms. So I call, I, I I gather them up. I use uh, mushrooms that I find in some of the candles and herb blends that I do. Um, I I I like their sort of underworld connotations. I like that they're still kind of scary. I like that they're delicious. I like how many. I mean, there's so many varieties of them. Um, I took my son to. You know, I mentioned that I really like a temperate deciduous forest. And our other place that we go to vacation is in the Smoky Mountains, like around uh, Maggie Valley and um, the Cherokee National Park there has got um, a um, temperate deciduous forest where we take a walk one afternoon and we must have seen, and I kid you not, we must have seen a hundred different varieties of mushrooms there. I saw witch fingers. I saw slime molds. I saw turkey tails. I, you name it, it was in this small little area. And we we were we had taken like a horseback tour, so we were kind of we were going oh. quickly. And, it, and and me at the very end, at the back, <laughs> of the horse is going, oh oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I slow down. I really want to get a picture of this mushroom. I just like I'm sure they all thought I was just out of my mind, but it, like the hits just kept coming. I was just like, this is paradise. There's so many mushrooms here. I can. <laughs> That lady's got to be high. <laughs> Perhaps she likes the mushrooms just a little too much. What's something that you wish was discussed more in the witch community? Um, a couple of or- things come to a couple of things come to mind. I think um, one we we ought to be talking about ecology and the environment more. And I'm going to I'm going to make a statement here that people are probably going to disagree with, but it is my firm belief that you have no fucking business calling yourself a witch if you're not doing something to affect positive change in the environment. It's the it's the hill I will die on. Um, if you are if you are not actively in your life taking steps to make the planet a better place. You're just stealing them. Yes. Yeah. And so we, we ought to be talking about our consumption because, um, I mean, myself included, I don't know a single witch who doesn't love, you know, collecting all the things, all the goodies, the crystals, the, the herbs, the, you know, the resin dragons, the special incense. We, we can, we consume a lot of, uh, of resources and i think i uh, like i i'm baffled that that we're that we're not talking about it more that we're not you know that we're that we're not using our magic to to heal the planet or to hex corporations like nestle that are doing the most damage yes um i'm you know it ups one of my like bugbears is like plastic and so i like i i am using resources and i through being a company 
bit through being a business. Um, and, and so I, I'm in the weird position of knowing that I'm doing damage just, just by my very existence, I'm just doing damage. Um, and wanting to continue my work because I feel like they're like, it's valid and it's good. And so I, you know, I try to offset that by using only packaging that can be recycled or reused. Um, if you've ever ordered anything from Prairie Fire Herbal, you might open up your package and find out that it's stuffed with my circulars and from my mail, like grocery store sales and things on, you know, mm-hmm. that you get. You're, you've probably gotten some of my uh, junk mail in your boxes because I, because I really feel like I, I'm already, I, I'm already consuming enough just by, by what I make. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, we, we ought to be talking more about the environment. We ought to be talking about ways that we can affect the positive change in the environment. And I agree with you with the crystals because, uh, so what if they're synthetic? Um, I mean, as long as it's not plastic, but if it's like a, a heated amethyst, that's what you have. Freaking use it uh, okay, and, okay. and recycle them. I'm going to, yes, I, yes. Thank you for saying that. That was the, I, I, I want to mention crystals and now I know I'm going to like, I'm going to make a lot of, which is angry with this, but I, um, this is, this is crazy to me that every time we purchase a crystal that we're not thinking about how that crystal got to us, um, exploitative mining practices, yeah, all their little destruction of the land, kids uh, who were down in the mines. Yes, and the fact Die. that that I I, ha- I have this strong feeling that the the crystals like they they're they're drawing their power if if you believe that they do have any kind of magical power I believe that if they do have that magical power where are they drawing it from They're drawing it from the earth, <laughs> and so when you're mining crystals out of the earth, I feel like you're sort of disconnecting the power source. I guess you could say. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not down with the mass consumption of crystals in any way whatsoever. I'm gonna. You took me on a tangent. <laughs> what? So, where? What do you think of Moldavite? I don't know what I think. I'm just interested. Since, in in what? Do you feel like crystal? And then this is probably gonna get cut because I'm not trying to get into this conversation with anybody else. But <laughs> okay. So do you, do you believe, like, I've never felt any kind of anything from a crystal. It's just pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I, I yeah, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. I, I feel like that, that there, that there must be something to that because we know there's like a vibrational thing, particularly with like clear quartz. And so we, there's, there's actually some science behind, um, behind, um, like quartz being able to amplify power or electricity. I'm not saying it doesn't or, do things. I'm just saying I haven't experienced it. Right, right, right. And and so and and so neither have I. Now I have I've gotten the warm and fuzzies like when I've picked up a cool river rock because it's tied to a place and yes. I, it's you know there are spirits of the land and I you know I feel a strong connection to that. But um never do I feel like I want to take it home and put it in my bra. I mean, I don't understand the bra thing at all. I don't either. I think it's just one uncomfortable. (laughs) It's like the sort of memification of, you know, of rocks. And I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm old Kim and I'm grumpy and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm devastated at the destruction we cause on the planet. And for me as a witch, I'm like, why the fuck would you buy crystals? 
Why would you? It's not it's not a renewable source. I feel like if there is any power in them, they're drawing the power from the earth. I I think a lot of people have kind of tricked themselves into believing that they're doing a thing for them. And it's, you know, maybe it's like one of those psychosomatic things where, you know, you just it, it's only magical because you believe it is, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I honestly, I just kind of think so. It's all do bullshit. you think that Moldavite <laughs> does anything like, or are other uh, meteorites do anything? And if if so, where do you think it comes from? <laughs> um. So is Moldavite like molten glass that came from an asteroid or something like that? Yeah. Am I on it's the right the green track? stuff. It's the green stuff they find in Czechoslovakia. Well, it I might mean, not be called Czechoslovakia anymore, right? <laughs> so it's not. We're old. We're so old. Yeah. I still call it Czechoslovakia. <laughs> I don't even real. I don't know the real name of the place. That's Me how neither. I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe there is something to that. I think it's been over amplified by social media like TikTok, where yeah. every other you know. Well, where do you think it comes from? <laughs> I mean, I don't. I space. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that to me space makes magic? it cooler. Like space rocks are cool. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> and and why is it moldavite? Why not tektite? I don't know. I don't know. How come nobody's things? freaking out about tektite? How come it's it's as good as it's green and pretty? I guess. Also, here's another question that's not going to be on the internet and not going to be on a thing. <laughs> How? Okay, so everybody's like, "Ooh, use green, use green things for your for money, use green things for money." Uh, what if you're not in the United States? Because in Europe, all their money is different colors. Yeah. So I I don't really dig that whole green thing. <laughs> I I do, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think we can tie it to money if we want to, but money hasn't always been green. You're right about that. But I think that when I think of the color green, I think about fecundity and lush growth and this tropical okay. jungle where vines are climbing up things, and it's like it's it's it is a rich delicious green landscape and so if i'm thinking about like financial magic that's where i'm thinking like i'm thinking about that kind of like yummy green growth i can get with that but when i was talking to somebody from another country i was like well what do you use rainbow fluorite (laughs) (laughs) that's a good question you need to uh, like get get to the bottom of that like i mean what do you like i don't i'll ask some of my traditional i have i have a separate facebook group that is private um and i i will invite you to it and um it's hidden because i've had a bunch of races trying to get in recently jesus christ i I think it has to do with the name because it's called folkloric and traditional witchcraft oh yeah they're trying to get up in there and and flash their okay signs or whatever i think so i think they've confused nordic yeah they've confused folkloric with folkish dumbasses and so stop taking words and turning them into bullshit how about that yeah yeah. So, uh, but sure. I'll invite you to that. But that I, th- okay, I think yeah. that'd be an interesting question to ask because there are a lot of English witches in the group because Ooh, it's yeah. traditional witchcraft. And so w- we should ask and find out, like, when you do money magic. I mean, or you know, what do you? Is it green? Be- uh, we'll we'll have to find out. That's a great yeah. question. How has environment? Speaking of environment, <laughs> how has it shaped your practice? And do you think it would be different if you lived somewhere else? One hundred percent. 100%. I I live in right between Fort Worth and Dallas in a piece of landscape that I consider spiritually devoid. Like I can't like I like I feel nothing in this place that I live and I it, like it's it's a heartbreaking thing for me. Um there's like 
there's been a lot of progress, you know, quote unquote progress. Oh, yeah. and the we're last, getting that here. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're very close to American Airlines and they've torn down a forest and displaced all of the animals and um, really, in my opinion, negatively affected um, what was once a, you know, a pretty interesting piece of property. And it's all, and like that, that I don't get like a spiritual connection to, to, this piece of property that I'm on. Um, so yes. So yeah, I think that like your like location, I think an environment can play a huge role in, in a magical practice. Um, it's one of the reasons uh, why I, I feel so strongly called to return to New Mexico again and again, because, uh, because New Mexico feels just like, imbued like bursting at the seams with with um genius loci and with spirits of place and land whites and um and these big archetypes like coyote and crow um it just and and the same goes for you know the other area that we travel to sometimes in the smoky mountains that place just feels just just older than old like you know older than we can even know and just so many old spirits that are you know not even for me not even recognizable as anything that might have ever been human just weird spirits you know and and I don't get any of that here that's sad it, it's 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 heartbreaking it's it's really sad and i you know as a plant person i you know my my neighborhood has quite a few um old oak trees and i feel what i do feel from like the plants in my neighborhood is sadness i like they they, they it feels sad do you know who lady althea is yes i i'm i'm got the la i'm i took her um something like how to be a local witch or something Mm -hmm. it's exactly what you're saying oh i'm curious this is my last email of the it's a six-week thing and this is the last week for me was it self-paced yeah well sort of i mean well she sends you an email every week (laughs) yeah um i'm curious about that i you know i um I, I've I've seen her classes and her I see her work online and and admire some of the things that she's written. So I'll look into it. That'd be an interesting class to take. It's really interesting, and it's you're you it like, it's just exactly what you're saying. <laughs> so, but so what does she say about it? That well, that's what today's I I read it this morning. That's what today's thing was about. That some places are dead. Yeah, and you can try to bring it back, but right now it's dead. Yeah, that's that, that, you know, that, that feels like my neighborhood. I, you know, the, uh, even to the point of like, so, so we're talking like in a magical or a spiritual context, but, but there's, but it actually feels dead to me in a physical context because the soil here is so poor, so bad, so pumped full of chemicals from everybody in my neighborhood, putting pesticides and chemicals on their grass, that the soil here is basically worthless. So when I want to grow anything, I've like over the last five years, I've been using this company called, or an app called Chip Drop. Yes. And yeah. So they bring me truckloads full of wood chips and I've just, they're, they're layered all through the half acre um, back half of my yard, um, six inches deep. And I, because I, because I hope to, you know, try to build the soil up. Um, 
Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it, it's sad. I, nothing, nothing here, I, nothing that I plant in the ground will grow here unless I build beds and, and plant there. Sorry, you don't have to add all that about chip drop. Just, it's. I it's, love chip drop. <laughs> it's, I uh, wish we had it here. Yeah. Oh, you don't? Well, it's in Arizona. It's just not in Tucson. And I think it's because one of the, um, like dump sites here pays them to bring it and then they turn it into mulch, which they sell to us. Uh, well, you, if you're not above acting like a crazy person in your neighborhood, um, like I'm not, um, then I, <laughs> you can flag down tree trimmers. I do it all the time. There are no I, trees here. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. You're, you're, you're not blessed with a lot of trees. That's too bad. I know. I was really excited when I, when, cause, because when I was reading there aren't any like big homesteading um, YouTube YouTubers in Tucson, but there are some in Phoenix, and they all use chip drop like chip drop like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I can't wait. They're not down here, so yeah. robbed. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I'm I feel bad. I'm sorry that you can't get chip drop because it's it's something cool really happens when you start putting wood chips on your lawn, and uh, a lot of cool things start happening. Like you know, the worms start coming back. Um, it robs the soil of nitrogen for a couple of years while it's breaking down, but once it breaks down, it is the most wonderful soil you can imagine. Um, and it's always full, at least here, it is always full of mushroom spores. Yes. And so I get these crazy varieties of slime molds. And um, this year, for the first time, I had, um, I'm going to forget the name of it, but it's um, Imputus phallus. And that means um, stinky dick. Stinky, oh, stinky yeah. <laughs> and so I got some of those this year. And I, uh, they're, they're, they're so cool. They're, they're, like, they're, just, they're a beautiful mushroom. And they smell like rotten roast beef. They're foul. That sounds amazing. Yes. I, and I don't want that in my yard. Yeah. But it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, you do want it in your yard because you can only smell them when you get really close. But they, like, they're, it draws all these weird like pollinator insects, like oh. not your usual ones, because they stink bad and they're drawn to it. And so they, they, they come over and it's one way for this mushroom to spread spores fascinating i just talk about mushrooms forever and ever but that but yeah so when you get chips then you get all of this other weird stuff happening in your yard and i just like i'm like this is so cool i just like it's it's created a whole different kind of microcosm in my yard that wouldn't have existed normally yeah we have a garden bed that i put a bunch of straw into and like the chicken yard whatever and then in my altar garden that's all wood chips and i've got i got um like i don't know what they are just some kind of brown mushrooms Mm -hmm. but bird nest Mm -hmm. mushrooms and i thought what the hell is this yeah it turns out that's what they are (laughs) yeah we get hundreds of thousands of those every spring when we get our rainy season and they're just aren't they just the most adorable thing it's so it's like a little cup little tiny cup and then it's got three little things in it that look like eggs and they're just they're just the cutest thing. That's basically all we get is those brown things and then bird nest. And that's only in my um altar garden. The the brown ones sometimes come up in like random dirt, but mostly in the garden. Um you can you can there are a lot of like spore companies now that you can buy really interesting mushroom kits from. And and I'm not just talking about the magical ones, you can buy those too. Um, what? Yes. 
Yep. I need to find that. But I knew about the edible ones. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I just don't know that we have a place in our house that we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something you have to very be really dry careful here. with. You have to do it in the house. There's a whole setup and you can, there's a lot of places you can look online to figure out how to do it. But so it is, um, it is still against, it's a federal law against growing them. You can illegally buy them, I think in like 48 Oregon states. or something. Um, oh, no, no. <laughs> I, or I think Oregon just changed the law, but I think it's still, I don't know what's happened to the, um, to the law about, I think you can take them now, but I don't think that you're allowed to grow them. Oh gosh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Do you celebrate any holidays or Sabbaths? Um, I do. Uh, my two favorites are Yule and Samhain. And um, I use or I part, celebrate both of those as um, generally in the context of uh, like ancestor work or spirit work. And so I um, make offerings to my grandparents and to, um, you know, passed on ancestors or even not ancestors um, at those two times of the year. And, um, and yeah, and then, and, and the other ones I, I, so I, I really love midsummer. Um, so I celebrate that every year. And then the other ones, they don't really, they don't really fit my practice. And part of that is because of the landscape that I'm in. You yeah. were talking about landscape, but being here, like, in, like, because some of those other ones are harvest, um, um, sabbats or holidays they don't really make sense where I'm at because it's like it's too it's hot and dry and barren mm -hmm. and brown here for like Lunasa um, yeah do you consider Samhain to be the your new year I, yes, I, yeah, I kind of do. Um, but yes. So yes, yes, I do. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's like, what I do too, because my life sort of, I noticed it when I was, I think 30, that Halloween is pretty much when things end and then start over. Yeah. But I mean, the new year is when sh shit just traditional American bullshit starts and ends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, 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 and yeah, so I have a 14 year old kid and so, um, he's not down with, he, he doesn't give a shit about the witchcraft, but <laughs> he's like, but like new year's is a fun celebration for him. Cause he gets, yeah, I mean, it's fun and all that. So, so yeah, we kind of, yeah, we celebrate that. What would you tell somebody just starting out and what would you like to hear from somebody who's more experienced than yourself? Can I twist this on its head a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to. I'm going to say this like I was giving, I'm going to say this as an experienced witch, like I was giving myself advice for a 14 year old witch. Um, books. You have mm -hmm. to do research. It's not good enough to get all of your information from Instagram and Facebook. And it's fine to start out with all of the Scott Cunningham books. But at some point you need to graduate to scholarly works on witchcraft. So you need to you need to begin to read works from indie occult publishers because that's where you're going to get um, the real witchcraft based on folklore and on historical practice. So 
You're going to have to put down the Cunningham. You're going to have to move away from. Well, you don't Silver have Raven to. Wolf. Yes, you need to kind of. <laughs> you need to. You have your time with fluffy witchcraft. Play with your crystals. Do all that stuff, and then you need to. You you need to move forward. You need to. You have to keep learning, and you um and you need to get into some of the. Um, I don't want to say tougher, but some of the more in-depth reading on witchcraft. And there's a lot of it out there. There are a lot of really great authors. But if you want to deepen your witchcraft practice, you really you, you have to be willing to, to do the research. I agree. And there's so many really good indie occult publishing houses now. I, you know, I, um, I, it, I'm a, a huge book lover and I I love books of any sort. Um, but there's so much good occult publishing out there right now that whatever you're into, you can find some really great, well-researched, interesting um, titles. Who would you say are the three biggest influences on your practice? And it, it it changes, I guess, depending on where I'm at with witchcraft, because my practice is always evolving. Um, okay, three three people who have influenced my witchcraft. Um, I, uh, about ten years ago, I did kind of a turnabout, um, and it, this isn't in, uncommon in my practice. I go through phases where different types of witchcraft become interesting to me and I get to do a deep dive and research. And that's one of my favorite things about witchcraft is that the research is amazing. There's so much good stuff out there and so much to learn and so much that we don't know yet. Um, but someone turned me on to a traditional witch who lives in Cornwall named Gemma Gary. And she writes these beautiful books that are so sacrilegious, that are so blasphemous. <laughs> they're just, they're, they're, they're very wonderful. And they, a lot of the work is with the devil and um, animism. And they're just, they're, they're some of my favorite books. And I think that, I think they have, they've really changed sort of the landscape of witchcraft in the last 10 years. So she's, she influences me a lot an herbalist who's been influential um, in my or magical herbalism is Harold Roth. And he runs a website called Alchemy Works and um, uh, sells herbs and things like that and some of his own potions and things. But he also writes about herbalism. And so he writes um, a lot on his website about um, planetary magic, which was very, very odd because my grandparents were astrologists, but for a long time, planetary magic wasn't part of my practice. Um, but he writes about planetary um, herbalism, uh, or correspondences for herbalism a lot. Um, but the thing that he did that really sort of blew my mind and changed the way that I, that I thought about plants and magic is he, he does intuitive magical herbalism. And that means that rather than just going to your Scott Cunningham book of herbal correspondences or plant correspondences or looking it up on Pinterest, you spend time with the plant. You get to know the plant. You grow the plant. You touch the plant. You smell the plant. Um, you 
you think about like what are the conditions that it grows in, that it flowers in, what animals are attracted to it, um, all of this kind of stuff. How does it make you? you know, how does it make you feel? Is it edible? Like it's really it, it's it it is getting to know a plant on a deep level, feeling how it makes you feel or what what you think that what kind of energy you think it is giving off and then using it that way. And he doesn't say throw out all the correspondences. They still count. There's a reason why they're there. You know, people have been using a plant for a certain reason for a really long time and it's no accident that they gained a reputation for doing the thing that it says that they do in Scott Cunningham's books. But but that doesn't go deep enough. You you know, if you're if you're not in relation with the plant in any way whatsoever, I, you know, I, 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 I don't believe that you're utilizing um, the most magical aspects of a plant. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's exciting because that's kind of how I work. Like the stuff around here that grows here, there are, I can't I can find next to nothing about them. Yeah. Like brittle bush. Have you heard of that? No. Nobody knows what the hell that is. But I see what it does here and that's what I use it for. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I love that. It's 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 really eye opening and it's you you have to you have to retrain your thinking because I think for a lot of us, not probably not all of us, but for a lot of us, it's been enough for a long time to just go to the correspondence list, you know. Okay, that's basil. Great. That's good. That's great for money magic. Well, it might be great for money magic, but what else is there about this plant? You know, it might be spicy. It might have, it might be super aromatic. It might, you know, it might have a tender. It's tender. Yes. All of those things. And uh, so, yeah, so that, um, I, I admire Harold Roth so much. He's also, um, poison path practitioner and he, um, he sometimes has plants for sale. If you're interested in um, the poison path, he sometimes has things like um, real mandrake root or mandrake plants, Ooh. belladonna, detras, all of those things. So I, I encourage everyone to look him up and, and see what he's um, what he's got going on because he's always doing something really interesting with plants. Um, and then a third person I have to say is my nanny Carlton, who just, you know, um, growing up in the South, I grew up in the foothills of Appalachia and, um, and, you know, in the Bible belt, very, very religious, very, very old fashioned, small mountain community. And my grandmother and grandfather were just anomalies in this town. Everybody loved them. Everybody respected them. And even though they did this weird astrology thing and, um, my grandmother, um, she never tried to deter me from getting into, you know, witchcraft. She, um, she gave me some of my first, um, occult books. Um, you know, she, she talked to me about, um, using my intuition as a magical tool. She inspired my love of animals and plants. Uh, just a really incredible woman. And again, you know, I can't call her a witch, but she, she, definitely had like one foot in this part of a magical practice. She there, you know, whether she called herself a witch or not, she, um, she was deeply magical. I envy people who can say that about their family. Um, I'm careful when I say it because I think a lot of time, like I've been hearing it for, you know, for 
almost four decades. I'm from a long line of witches. Bullshit. You're not. You're not from a long line of witches. I don't mean that stuff. I mean growing up having that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, cool, I can trace back to whatever. But if I don't have any sort of relationship with those people, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel really lucky to have had the time that I had with my grandmother. I, I spent a lot of time with her alone after my parents divorced. And um, um, I'm so grateful for every moment um, that I had with her. She just everything about her just sort of emanated like... Um, magic and she also gave me my um addiction to coffee so i started drinking <laughs> coffee when i was t- she figured i was old enough at 10 so thank oh you Carlson. Uh, i am <laughs> helpless without it who would you like to see on the show who do you think it would be fun to hear from having a conversation like this i have a friend here in fort worth who um opened a witchcraft shop back in february of this year and um she she does something that i haven't really i've seen people talk about a lot but i haven't really seen anybody put this into practice before um she is very eco-conscious and she runs her mind with an ecological ethos in mind. So, she, so I'll give you like an example of something that's in the shop. She she has some crystals. She has like a very very small collection of crystals, and um, she she's so careful in her sourcing. They were she they're, they're ethically mined, which is something you never see. So she just has a little collection of them. Uh, they're very beautiful. They look kind of rough because they're not, they're not sort of processed mm-hmm. the way the, you know, the ones that you traditionally see are. Um, she, she has, a, there's an apothecary there and she has a lending library. She's like me. Ooh. She's a lover of books. So you can come in and um, spend trade time out. in the library. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I don't think that she does a trade out. You're allowed to come in and spend time in the shop because she's got some, oh. she's got some titles that are a couple of hundred years old. So I don't think she's going to want anybody to take this out of the shop and witchcraft books are expensive. I mean, you know, yeah. Um, but so I, she's, she's, she'd be really interesting to talk to because she, I, I've thought for a long time that eventually what would happen is that I will open a witchcraft shop. Um, and so getting to, getting to spend time with Ivy in her shop this last year, I've seen the good aspects of that. And I've also seen the bad aspects of that. And I think it'd be really interesting. I think a lot of, probably a lot of witches sort of fantasize about having their own shop, but I think it'd be really interesting to, to hear from somebody who does and what that's really like. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask? Something that I, that I just, that I, that I said a little, I talked about a little bit before, but that I want to sort of emphasize, I want to put kind of a point on it is, um, that um that witchcraft should it is political it is political and if 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 your witchcraft isn't political uh, i think you have some questions to ask yourself um because witchcraft is about uh, autonomy and is uh, um you know in a lot of cases it's about um 
the patriarchy imposing a set of rules and standards on women and our bodies and the kind of jobs that we can do and our value um, as mothers and daughters and partners um, in society. And if you're not getting mad about that, then uh, again, I feel like you've then you might have some questions for yourself that you you might need to take a deeper look. Um, I also think that witchcraft um, is punk rock. I you know I think that there there's uh, an element of anarchy and chaos and fuck you to witchcraft that 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 I really embrace. I that's one of the things that I like about. It. I like that it's weird. I like that it. Um, it's upsetting to some people. I, you know, I, I like that there's this sort of, um, that, that there are dark connotations to aspects of a witchcraft practice. And I, you know, I, I've seen it a, a lot in the last couple of years and it's sort of this forced kind of cheerful, um, only positive vibes Blech. sort of attitude. <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> exactly, black. Um, that I that I think is that I think is bullshit, and I think it really waters down what witchcraft can be, and that um, that, that there is no such thing as white witchcraft. Um, you're not doing it right if it's white witchcraft. You know, um, I, 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 it's been said a million times, and I'll, I'll I'll say it again at the risk of you know sounding trite, but you, in order to be able to embrace the good, positive light aspects of anything, you, but particularly witchcraft, you you need to be able to delve into the darker aspects too. And I, I just, you know, it's, that that right there is the reason why I moved away from Wicca, why I found it to be a hollow practice that you know never really satiated my desire for you know something weird and magical and um powerful and that that encompassed the dark as well as the light and um so i just you know i think i think it's important for young witches especially to to begin to kind of get a feel for that um to deepen their practice to 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 get somewhat comfortable with the fact that um you know, life, and not just witchcraft, that life has dark aspects to it too. And that um, choosing to avoid them doesn't, um, doesn't really solve anything. You know what I mean? If you don't figure out how to deal with the dark stuff, you got to figure out how to deal with the dark stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that a practice that's only full of love and, you know, quote unquote, love and light or blessings or thoughts and prayers is pretty vapid, pretty, pretty meaningless. You can sit Pers- there and say, I maybe get hell for that. You can say love reacts only, but something bad will happen eventually, no matter how yeah. much love and light you parade around. Yeah. You got to be able to deal with it. Yeah. So and embrace, if you ignore it and say it's not there, you're, you're going to get fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like with anything in life, it's not going to go away. It's still going to be there. Um, yeah. So I, I think we should make up some, some bumper stickers and t-shirts that say, you know, keep witchcraft punk rock. 
I have a fun question that I actually am nabbing from New World Witchery because I saw they had mentioned it on one of their past podcasts. If someone were to summon you, what five things would it take to summon you? Um, I was going to phrase that. (laughs) You're going to do it again? (laughs) Is there a better way? I'm going to acknowledge that I knew that you were going to ask this question because I want to tell what my my kid tells saying how boring I am. <laughs> I'm a commie boring jerk. Yay. Yay. Oh, do you want to ask are you going to ask it again? Uh, I don't know. How do I how should I how should I phrase that? If someone were to for, if someone were to summon you, what five things would it take? Well, I'm an anarchist, so I added an extra one. Um, <laughs> or I'm also an Aries and I can never do exactly as oh. I'm told. So there's that. Um, my son questioned also as an Aries, if I would even come, no matter what we used to summon me, he'd be like, you're so stubborn. You probably just wouldn't show up despite everybody. Um, okay. I have six things. We talked about Paul Stamets a little bit earlier, but like I said, he's a hero and put him anywhere and I will go there. So that was the first thing. The second thing is you're probably going to need to play Europe 72, April 8th, Grateful Dead, Dark Star. It's like 47 minutes long. <laughs> it's really weird. Let's have some Grateful Dead there. Um, a good cup of Earl Grey tea. That'll help. A stack of Terry Pratchett books. Ooh. And... The must-have out of everything on the entire list is pickles. I want a giant jar oh. of pickles. What kind? It has to be a dill pickle, can't be a kosher pickle, and it has to be crunchy. It can't be like a wimpy, soggy, squishy. weird. Yeah. <laughs> Good pickles. Okay, so we are at the end. So the two questions that I didn't ask, or they weren't on the list. The first one is not, actually neither one of them is a question. One is recommend something to the listeners. It doesn't have to be rich related. It could be whatever. Let me, hang on. Let me stew over this for a minute. Okay. A recommendation for. Charlie said start. Uh, what, are, what are the zebra cakes? So that gives you it. <laughs> that lets you know what's, what it's open for. <laughs> That's a good one. Those are delicious. I love them. Uh... I would say ear biscuits. Say ear biscuits okay i'm writing that yeah, down that's why that's what i would recommend people check out <laughs> that's actually where i stole this like this question okay i'm gonna steal from your idea because i'm gonna recommend a podcast too so you, okay do you want me just to do you want to do it again or how do you want to do it well, we can keep all this in okay um, i'm gonna recommend glitch bottle it is a podcast that's been on air for maybe about five years and um, it is a it's a fantastic um, occult interview podcast, and um, the podcaster I'm gonna f- I forget his name. It might be Alex. Uh, don't quote me on that. But he he gets the best guest. So he has had Dr. Stephen Skinner. He's had um, 
last night I listened to an episode where he had a woman who is a researcher of um, cunning folk practices in England, Ooh. and it was fascinating. It was so good. Um, he frequently has Aaron Lech on. Um, Aaron is a ceremonial magic and practice grim, uh, practices grimoire magic. I mean, just like any luminary that you can think of who who's written something fabulous or who does um, like interesting work they've been on. So, so that would be my recommendation. It's great um, for uh, it's, uh, you know, earlier I mentioned that witches need to be reading deeper books. This is a podcast version of that idea. This is going into depth into some of these um, harder concepts uh, involving occultism. That's a good name. It's a great name. I think that every time I listen to it. I just want to say that over and over again. Welcome to OCD. Okay. Second plus <laughs> the second thing. <laughs> the next thing. <laughs> Please tell me a story that you love to tell. I've got to preface it by telling you it's not a very long story. It's just kind of a weird thing that happened to me. And um, I am st I'm st still sort of baffled about what happened. I just it's kind of a, a little bit of a mystery. But um, I have a deep primordial fear of snakes. And um, I, as an animist and as an animal lover, I you know I it's something that it's uh, I don't understand it. I like spiders. I like bugs i you know rodents are cool i but snakes they strike the heart of fear into me um to such a degree that it's hard for me to it's like a phobia it's yeah an it's, actual one <laughs> it's yeah and so um i like in the past like up until like two years ago i have had to be really careful about like watching animal planet or discovery or anything where they might have snakes like a little bit before my bedtime because if i see snakes then i'm i'm gonna have terrible snake nightmares um and have had them my entire life and you know just just so scared of snakes um but a couple of years ago, I realized that, you know, that this is, uh, there is something about, there's, there's an aspect of like magical snakiness. There's something about snakes that are magical and that I needed to, like, I needed to work on this thing. You know, I wasn't going to go out and buy a snake, but I needed to, like, I needed to look at myself a little bit and see what this fear was all about. And so two years ago, we took um, um, our semi-annual trip to Maggie Valley um, in the Great Smoky Mountains, and um, we'd been there for about a week. And you know, I was a little bit concerned about snakes. I'm keeping an eye out, like I always do. Everywhere I go, when I go to get in my car, I keep an eye out for snakes. Um, Particular, I mean, it's just a, li a little aside to the story is three years ago. I walked out to my car and a snake fell out of the sky and landed on my car. <laughs> and there's the universe not... is messing with you. Yes. Well, we have we have this bird. We have this bird in my neighborhood and we call him Derpy Derpy Hawk because he seems to have some weird neurological thing and he like he's just he's off. There's something like we saw him one time chasing a <laughs> rabbit and he just crashes to the ground. I don't know how he survives. Um, but it turns out that Derpy, Derpy Hawk had grabbed a snake 
And because he's derpy, he dropped it and it landed on my car right in front of me. I mean, like, talk about, like, I thought I was going to have a heart attack because now it's raining snakes. So I fast forward a year. I'm, I'm, as always, since I was the day I was born, I'm looking out everywhere I go for snakes. I keep an eye out, especially after one fell out of the sky. Every single time my child walks out of the house, I say, watch out for snakes. It's so much that he's like, he'll say, he'll look at me and he'll say it back. He'll say, watch out for snakes. Do you, do you know the Mystery Science Theater 3000 relation there? No. I mean, oh and my I, God. And I love that show. Ega, one of the big quotes is watch out for snakes. Are you kidding me? Nope. Oh, if you know what episode, you've got to tell me because I, I've been it's watching. Ega, E-E-G-A-H. Oh, okay. Ega. Okay, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to find it because watch out for snakes because they fall amazing. out of the sky. Okay, so, so so that was my aside to the story. But so two years ago, we're in the Smoky Mountains. I'm watching out for snakes. I see a sign on the side of the road that says there's a big, there's blackberries everywhere. And we're just have like everywhere we go, we're like pulling over to the side of the road and Ooh. we're shoving blackberries in our mouths. And we keep seeing these signs that say watch out for bears. So I'm, I pull over. There's all these blackberries. I get out of the car. The sign says watch out for bears so i'm watching out for bears not fucking snakes you switched your aim <laughs> and i got bit by a <gasps> snake and what yes and and the ridiculous part is is that it happened so fast and i must have jumped 25 feet in the air because it took me a millisecond to get back to the car i knew exactly what it was as soon as it happened my lifelong fear is happening to me right now I raced, I got back to the car, I pulled my pants up, and there were two fang marks. And I never even saw the snake. But I have friends who are, like, really big into reptiles, and this is, like, it's like a weird kink almost, but I follow... It is. Herpers are weird. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, my this is, like, a weird kink, so I follow a Facebook group that, that... where there are snake experts that identify snake bites and this, yeah. and oh, I have oh, and the I, bites? yes and I have been and so and I and I've been following along with this for years before this happened and so um so my legs swell up and there was a like it must have had bacteria in its mouth because I had a bump on the back of my leg a knot a hard knot the size of a tennis ball I kid you not but I didn't go to the hospital because I was like it it uh, I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to wait for a minute. Surely that wasn't a rattlesnake. There's like a couple of comments of rattlesnakes and copperheads there. Surely that was just like a rat snake or something. And I probably almost stepped, like I'm talking to myself about this. Like I'm trying to convince what? myself I'm not going to lose my leg. I know this you- is also crazy. <laughs> so crazy. And it is hurting. So it's like throbbing. Oh it's stinging. God. We go back to the, we're in this amazing little like, 1940s style like road lodge it's so great we go back I'm on the bed I'm watching it I'm watching it swell before my eyes (laughs) still not going to the doctor I'm in shock (laughs) because watch out for snakes I've been saying it my whole life oh no and you didn't watch it the one time you stopped so the one time you switched your I was looking for a bear (laughs) um I don't go to the doctor I fucking treat it with hand sanitizer. I'm sorry. Uh, this is what I did because it's all I had. And I was so, I was scared. And I'm with my 14-year-old. And he's like, we need to go to the hospital. You got bit by a snake, stupid. <laughs> no, I think I'm just going to hold out. I'm going to see what happens. We're also, there's not a hospital anywhere. I would have to drive to like Asheville to get to a hospital. Oh. So 
I'm like, they're probably going to have to helicopter me out because I'm going to die. Anyway, I don't die. <laughs> I don't die. <laughs> we're going to uh, wait for that ride. <laughs> we're going to wait. We leave to go home a couple of days later. I have a knot on what the back of the my world? leg. I know. I know. I have a knot on the back of my leg for a year, a whole year. And then after a year, it starts to, this is disgusting. So it, it starts to... Um, necrosis necrosis but it was so mild so mild that i didn't go and sloughed yes and so i didn't go so i didn't go to a doctor but i had been bitten by a brown recluse about 10 years before that and i did have necrosis and that was like a whole other thing like for like you know so like twice in my life i've had necrosis um but I have these people on this Facebook group and I like, you know, I, early on when I got back, I sent, you know, pictures and um, I'm like, you know, maybe like I'm trying to make up things. Maybe two wasps got me at the same time. Right. <laughs> They're like, no, that is a snake bite. And it was huge. There's like, there's an, there's like an inch oh or gosh. more between the two fangs, but, it, but they're what they think happened is that it was venomous and that it was a dry bite because one of the fangs went in to the area where it turned into like a tennis ball size knot and the other one just grazed the surface and so i i have a scar on my leg from where <laughs> i got bit by a snake uh pro- probably a poisonous one according to these people and i have been and, and so that's my story i've been so careful my entire life i know that i have a problem with the fear of snakes uh, it finally happened. I knew it. I always knew someday a snake was going to get me. It didn't happen when it fell out of the sky. <laughs> they missed. <laughs> it, but it waited a year and it tried again and it got me. It got me. And It's the same snake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's, yeah, that's my interesting so was um, it copperhead story. or rattlesnake i thought it was i thought you were going to say it was going to be a copperhead i don't know i really but if don't it was know. an inch i would think it would be a rattlesnake whatever it was because it was an inch apart it was massive it was yeah. massive what like in the world <laughs> <laughs> my husband's gonna love this story because he's he's a herber uh, and well you know one of the worst parts is that i didn't get to see it i think i probably would have fall, fallen over and just died because yeah. i'm so scared of them if i had seen it but i immediately as soon as it happened you don't I just knew. been like timber and you fall backwards <laughs> yeah yeah on top of the snake and kill it the little bastard yeah so that's a good story <laughs> now that's twice i've been bitten by something venomous and i'm just like ah Man, they're, maybe they're thinking third time's the charm. They're going to get oh, me. Wait, on you third didn't time. go to the doctor for the brown recluse either. No, no, no. I did go to the doctor for okay. that. Okay, for sure, for sure. Because my because the top, the top of my foot turned black. Yeah, yeah. Not they're not nice. Yeah. Holy crap! That was a, an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> as as soon as we get off of the interview, I'm going straight to Netflix and to see if they have this particular one because they don't have all of them and if they don't have it i'm going to buy it because i feel like it's a sign from the cosmos (laughs) watch out for snakes so bad but so good (laughs) but also so bad i really think all movies ought to be filmed in that format with just a bunch of like chuckleheads in the audience just ripping the movie to shreds every movie would be improved if they all got the mst3k treatment that's what i do every eating day i that's that's my 
holiday. I watch the Turkey Day Marathon and I eat a bunch of food by myself <laughs> in my house, maybe with my partner. I love That's that. I, I also have like a binge watch that I do every Thanksgiving. It's um, if Casey gets to hear this, she's going to love it because I recommended it to her. But my tradition is to try to binge watch as many um, episodes of Time Team this old English archaeology show where they would go out on a, a dig and they would do an archaeological dig in three days. So they're like racing against the clock to find a, ro- a Roman horde. It's wonderful. It's so good. But that's, so yes, I also binge a, a something on Turkey Day. Okay. I love that. <laughs> that one's for you, Casey. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. This was delightful. Yay. And I will see you around the internet. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Once again, thankfully, it's review time. This one is from Downturn Lips on Apple Podcasts, titled A Witchy Tea Party. Downturn Lips says, A lovely way to spend some time discovering more about the witchy community, ways of practice, and how others experience their spiritual journey. Each episode feels like a friendly and non-judgmental conversation perfect for the solitary witch looking for fellowship. That is exactly what I want to hear. So thank you, Downturn Lips. I want everybody to feel included in this community. And hopefully this show helps. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast, Twitter at Average Witch Pod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Your Average Witch Podcast, at YourAverageWitch.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review. You can review us on Amazon and Apple Podcasts, and now you can rate us on Spotify. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. To rate Your Average Witch on Spotify, click the home key, click on Your Average Witch Podcast, and then leave a rating. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com slash cleverkimscurios. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to youraveragewitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes.